What scares you the most? Perhaps it's dogs. Huge and rabid. The opposite of the warm, loyal pets we expect them to be. Or maybe it's the unpredictable stillness of cats. This is Eerie, a new limited series podcast from Brock Media. I'm Anna Bogutskaya, the series producer and host. And throughout this series, my intention is to creep you out. Over the course of eight episodes, a different writer has told you a brand new horror story, something strange, mysterious, and occasionally grotesque, written especially for this podcast and designed to scare someone, maybe you, out of their wits. And now it's my turn. In this final episode of Eerie, let me introduce you to Cat Lady, a gory little tale about a first date gone wrong, performed by Samuel Bottomley. Listen in and enjoy Cat Lady. I remember a dating profile so well. I, I, I was minding my own business on the dull hellscape for Hinge when a bio caught my attention. My first thought was she was made up. The calibrated jokes, the real big girl job too, a surgeon. One cute picture in playing girlfriend material. One full body picture with a bit of cleavage, just a hint of sluttiness in the eye. One with a group of people. A deliberately approachable mix of folk in playing a healthy social circle. And that final one with the cat. Immediate's quite right. The picture showed her sitting on her sofa with a cat by her side, paws crisscrossed. Both of them looking directly into camera, a parody of a family photo. It reminded me of those false power couple photo shoots you see in a business magazine profiles. This is Mr. Pawpaw. He is instrumental to the growing success of the company culture. It was just the one cat. One cat ladies are cute. It's when they're 17 or something. That's when you get into trouble. Look at her now, sleeping, with all her hair messed up sticking to her lips, the several layers of serums, moisturisers and sluggish ointments making her skin glisten. You should be grateful you're allowed in the bedroom now, she said, permitted to watch her sleep. I'm putting so much trust in you here, mister. I should have known this would happen when I swiped right on a profile, maybe not exactly this, but something bad. We matched straight away. The conversation was easy. No what's your favourite colour questions... None of that how's your day going bullshit. She was direct, funny, engaged. Most women that I interacted with on the apps. Before you start, I've tried all of them. All the apps, all the women are so passive. They wait for you to make all the conversation and they rarely ask you any questions. I can count on one hand the number of dates I've been on when I've been asked more than one question. And that question tends to be one of two. What do you do? And my personal favourite, what are you looking for? If I never hear this fucking question again, I will die a happy man. I probably will die soon anyway. At least I don't have to have another first date conversation ever again. Women are always talking shit about men on dating apps. I never turn that critical eye, that female gaze they love talking about so much on themselves, do they? There's a special level reserved for people in hell who match me and then just message here. Put some effort into it, Samantha. I know you can do better than hi, Annabelle. I'm not going to take breadcrumbs from someone. I make the effort, so should she. And I'm, I'm not a Greek god or anything, but... By many standards, I'm, I'm a pretty decent looking guy. I've got 
all my hair. I go to the gym a couple of times a week and I'm, I'm good at my job. I have an apartment with more than two towels. A woman can do a hell of a lot worse than me. I think the world would be a much better place if everyone just made a bit more effort, right? I mean, how is that so wrong to expect a little more effort from people who you're considering for the position of a romantic mate? The date started off really well, I thought. She was pretty. So pretty that I expected her to be boring. I even told her. You're so pretty, you should be boring. She laughed. She laughed. Let the record show she laughed. To my surprise, she had more than three words in her vocabulary and didn't use like every other word. I even told her and she liked it. She liked being told she was different, a standout from the droning sameness of women on Hinge. She told me she liked it. I picked the location, perfectly aligned in the middle of both of our houses, slightly closer to hers if I'm honest, but I knew that. I wanted her to feel safe and that I was happy to make the trek for her and I wanted her to know that I was happy to make the trek for her. I sell a cocktail bar, one with the tiny tables and bar stools that let you in closer as the empty glasses pile up and the lights dim. A hot spot for first dates. She looked exactly like her pictures, a pleasant surprise. When we said hello, she said, you're bigger than I expected you to be. I gave my best grin. An excellent start, no warning signs at all. We both agreed the date was good, great even. We agreed we wanted this. I was not expecting to be invited back to hers. To be honest, I would have been fine with a little snog at the bus stop. I was thinking, maybe she's got three, four dates in her. In bed the next morning, we joked about who kissed who first. I'm positive it was me. She kept insisting it was her. Whatever. It happened, that's all that matters. It felt like a good start. An inside joke, already. I'm a very good judge of character, generally. And she seemed like my kind of person. In the morning, she made me breakfast. I wasn't expecting it, okay? She offered. She got up with a start, like she was late for work or something. I'm going to make you a gentleman's breakfast, she said. I could hear her clicking about in the kitchen, the soft smell of coffee brewing, the promising hissing of bacon in the pan. That was a surprise. She told me she was a vegetarian. So she was making bacon just for me. That's nice, I remember thinking. No amount of pretty can stand between me and my bacon. Good that she knew this early on without being told. Girlfriend material right there. I should have known right then that no woman, no vegetarian would be so selfless. Details from that morning are coming into focus now that I've had time to think about them. All the time in the world to mull over the events of the evening, the night, and the morning after properly. The way she turned my face to one side and licked it from neck to ear. Mostly it was fine, but I did wake up sore where she had rubbed the hair on my chest so hard I had rug burn. She kept saying, you're much hairier than I expected, this is so useful. No kink shaming or anything, if the girl was into hairy fellas I could provide. I'd maybe even kind of liked it when she dug the nails into the back of my legs. I wish I could check if she'd left marks, but I can't really twist my body that way anymore. When we were done, she patted my head and fell off to sleep quickly, mumbling something like, that's a good boy. I should have taken that as a red flag, but she was a solid 7 out of 10 and I wasn't going to scoff up for an Uber on top of paying for all the drinks. There were so many red flags, I should have left before she woke up. Before breakfast, she got a little testy with me. I mistook the door of the bathroom with another room. and The door was locked, so it didn't really make a difference, but... I could hear her drop the spatula and rush down the hallway. That's not the bathroom, she said a bit sharply, now I think about it. 
The bathroom's over there, on the right. She smiled, in a tense kind of way, like someone practicing a smile. Her mouth was stretched, baring her full teeth, but her eyes were still. She was pointing to a door, with the spatula, bits of grease close to dripping from it. I could hear the bacon cracking and the faint smell of burning, but she did not move. Not until I closed the bathroom door behind me. No bother, though. Maybe she's hiding some... another bloke in the secret room. <laughs> I found the bathroom fine, and there was this little litter box next to the toilet. I thought for a minute. <laughs> what if I pissed in a little box? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I did, I did think about it, but only for a second. The weird thing is, I didn't see a cat, so I asked. Hey, what's your cat's name? Where is it? From the kitchen, she called back. Oh, he's probably hiding. He doesn't like strangers very much. I didn't think about the cat again. The bacon had a funny, slight sour taste to it. Maybe a bit burnt. But I wasn't going to say anything. I thought, because of the earlier weirdness with the bathroom and the locked door, she maybe had let it burn a little bit. Maybe she had that petty streak to her, but I wasn't going to say anything, right? I wasn't going to be that guy. The woman was making breakfast for me. I'm not a dick. I should have known to leave then, like I usually would have done, before whatever she had added to the bacon kicked in. I started feeling woozy pretty quickly, and she was yawning too, after a meagre little avocado on toast. She suggested going back to bed for a snuggle. I thought it was cute. Date one, rolling into date two. A little breakfast, a little nap, nothing with that. I did not expect to wake up in a cage with a collar tied around my neck. She was smiling again. This time, though, it was genuine glee. Her eyes were cackling with expectation like she was just getting started. Good boy, she said. If you behave yourself and learn how to use a litter box, you'll get a treat. I wanted to throttle her, but I couldn't move. The collar around my neck was attached with leather bands to the opposite corners of the cage. The only thing within my reach was a litter box, super-sized for extra-large cats. Or full-grown men. The leather straps felt hot against my skin. My instinct was to cover myself, but I, I couldn't. She had bandaged my hands, forcing my fingers to my palms so only my knuckles were visible. I vaguely remember the night before asking her about a job and her brushing it off. A doctor of some kind? The bandages matched my skin tone perfectly. I don't deserve this shit. Being stuck in a cage like a goddamn animal. Her grinning encouragement was vicious. She touched the bandages briefly, the lightest of prods, as if she was checking her work. She was kneeling, so her eyes were level. It's okay, furry boy. You'll get there soon. And when you do, you'll have a treat waiting for you. Her voice was a chipper exclamation mark. It made me rancid with rage. There was no way, no fucking way, that I will ever do this. I will not be degraded in this way, not by her, not by any woman. She went to leave, and the door locked. One, two, three times. The key turned and I realised this was the room I thought was the bathroom first. Well, it, it is, kind of.
See, I'm funny. Even in the worst possible situations, I can laugh at myself. Even in the most deranged, psychopathic, fever dream of a scenario, I hold it. For one day, two days, three days, I hold it. And I'm not going to give her the satisfaction every day she comes in and she checks the litter box, dispensing shrill encouragement. You can do it, big boy. Be a good little gentleman now. My hands hurt from bearing my whole weight of my knuckles, which I tried to relieve by hinging on my hips, sitting back into a squat. It helped, briefly. I tried to find a way out of this room, craning my neck as much as the leather straps would allow. I noticed two other empty cages, similar in size to mine, one on each side. There's a dirty smelling pile of rags in one. Empty food bowls, same size as mine. Man size. It hurt a bit. Realising that I wasn't special. That I wasn't the first one, you know. I tried to remember any details she gave me about herself. Even her address. Through the haze of the cocktails, I I can't remember the name of the street where she lived, where I live now. My stomach growled. After day three, I couldn't tell if it was hunger or constipation. On day four, I got a treat. It was a can of tuna. She made a big show of opening it, opening it up in front of me, sniffing it, making grotesque mmm noises that were to show how delicious the goddamn tuna was. I wanted to scratch her eyes out. I got used to the cage and the litter box scarily quickly. I did what she told me to do. Ate shit, sleep, when she wanted it. I stopped counting the days. Every other day I'd wake groggy and confused with a new pain to be discovered. My shoulders and back were bristling with hundreds of tiny pinpricks. Itching like hell. Hair implants. After they healed, she came and caressed my shoulders, almost as if she was petting me. She came in to show me the progress, kneeling down with a hand mirror in front of me. I couldn't remember what my face looked like before I met her. I was never a Greek god or anything, but... By many standards, I was a pretty decent-looking guy. Fillers in the cleft of my upper lip, now blown up to triple its size. Fillers in my cheeks. I got used to the blackouts that preceded these new additions to my body. In between these, I was mostly alone. I'd see her occasionally. So occasionally, I started to almost miss her. When I didn't hear a key turn once, twice, three times in the lock. Every once in a while, she'd open the cage door and check in on me. How the skin grafts were healing. How the new implant in the ridge of my nose was doing. She wore black medical gloves when she patted and prodded me, looking at me like she was tenderizing a steak. She muttered one day, it's not happening fast enough. Like I was disappointing her. I had to be better, heal quicker and will my back into arching in the way that she liked. 
The leather straps came off eventually. I could curl up in the cage and rest my head. One day she sneaked up behind me and I felt a pinprick in my neck again. I tried to lick it, but I couldn't reach it. Her gloved fingers gently stroked my nose while the anesthesia took effect. I remembered what she told me in that little cocktail bar, the first day hotspot. Surgery. Reconstructive surgery is what she did. When I woke up, my face was on fire and my, my balance was off. I tried to lift my arms to feel my cheeks, my hands still bandaged tight, my knuckles, calloused nubs. My beard had grown quickly. My face was covered in coarse hair. But there was something else. I could feel it through the heavy, furry gloves she'd put on. Ones with hard, curved nails sticking out of them. No thumbs. Through the fabric I felt something new. Small, metallic bolts coming out of my face. Six on each side, two above each eyebrow. Coming out of the metal, I felt whiskers. She came into the room again, cooing at me. That's my good little gentleman. You're looking so good, darling. There was a syrupy satisfaction in her voice. Her eyes glazed with pride. This was new. She opened the cage and left the door open. This had never happened before. I licked my bloated upper lip in confusion. She gestured for me to come to her, to come closer. One ginger step at a time, pain shooting through my limbs as I followed her black-gloved hands until I hit the carpet floor of the bedroom. She let me into the bedroom for the first time in I don't know how long. The sight of the bed sent shivers up my spine and ache for something I'd forgotten. Sleeping in a bed under a duvet with my legs and my arms stretched out. I look up at her, so much taller now that I'm on all fours. She lets me look around and then guides me, her black surgical gloves still on, back to the cage, my bed that is not my bed. It smelled different now, rank, like someone had been shitting and pissing and crying in it for months. The two cages on either side of me remained empty. I yearned for the sight of the bed again, her bed. We repeated this dance a few times. Each time she opened the cage door and guided me with her black hands to the bedroom. Each time she let me stay a little bit longer. Until one evening she did not have her gloves on anymore. She opened the door and left it open. Her face was slimy when she knelt down to smile at me. Some skin cream portion leathered on thick. She wore a black satin gown. It looked similar to the dress that she wore the night we met. My eyes had adjusted to the dark and I saw the satin shimmer. I felt her bare hand pat me on the cheek. Her flesh on mine 
for the first time since that night, since our first date. I move forward one pore at a time, slowly gauging this room that I've known longer than any house. The cages on either side remain empty. I'm the man of the house. Not the first, but I will be the last. You're my special little man, aren't you? I look up at her, and I meow in agreement. Thank you for listening to Cat Lady, written by me and performed by Samuel Bottomley. You can find more of my work online at Anna Be Demented on Twitter and Instagram. Eerie is produced and hosted by Anna Bakutskaya, edited by Mike Munzer, with original music by Mitch Bain, and her artwork was designed by Mike Lee Graham. Eerie was co-produced by Regina Cameron Pereira for Brock Media and our executive producers were Sarah Brocklehurst and Nicole Davis. Follow us at We Are Brock Media on Twitter and Instagram for updates on Eerie, Never Told and other Brock Media podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode of Eerie, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your scary stories.